0: plus hello ladies and gentlemen boys and girls college football fans across the nation and around the world this is Tim May with the Tim May podcast and you'll notice to immediately have a new I don't know if a new co-pilot is the correct term you've been a co-pilot on here before but uh Spencer Holbrook welcome to the Tim May podcast
1: uh, I've never been a co-pilot unless I'm on this show so it's I'm good thank you for having me Tim I'm glad to be here
0: well, I never take my hands off the the yoke here, you know what I mean, and uh, keep my feet on the foot on the rudder pedals in my hand and my other hand on the throttle. But, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Austin Ward's a little bit under the weather. You jumped in and immediately uh, came to the rescue. I appreciate you for doing that because I need someone to bounce ideas off of. You know, I'm the ideal man. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, you're the front man. I, you just can call me the drummer or the bassist or whatever you'd like to. We'll take another analogy for a band, and then I guess I am the bassist because Austin would be the, the second in command. I guess I'm just the, the background guy that sometimes has to take over if you need
0: it. Yeah, that's a good point. When we get into Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody here in a minute, I need you to hit those high notes. <laughs> I don't but I digress. I digress. Hey, I got you on, man. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Ohio State football. My special guest for this week, we've got a little short segment I did with Paris Campbell, former Ohio State receiver of some repute, trying to keep uh, get his feet under him in the NFL, obviously with the Indianapolis coach. Just when he gets, gets going, uh, he's had a setback or two physically, but he's feeling great right now. But he was at that, uh, that open practice, for one of another term, we got to watch the other day, the Student Appreciation Day where we got to watch about 30 or 45 minutes of real football. Well, as real as it can get in the spring when they're not hitting, when they're thudding, and uh, when the quarterbacks aren't getting hit. But otherwise, it was full go and full speed and uh, extremely interesting to watch. We're going to touch on a few of those things in a little while. But uh, I had Paris Campbell on because I wanted him to talk about that wide receiver core, you know, which, you know, Ohio State's always had fleets of receivers or guys – outstanding wide receivers but as he even points out you know this idea of going from just one or two guys to maybe maybe having three four or five that really took off when he and the uh, three amigos were there agreed
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and you look at the lineage since he left I mean it's it's as impressive as as anybody in the country maybe maybe Alabama with the run that they had with Judy and Devante Smith and uh, now you know Henry Ruggs before the incident and those guys but other than that, you can't really think of a better place to be to play wide receiver right now than at Ohio State. I mean, what Brian Hartline's doing is is unmatched at this point in time in college football.
0: Uh, I'll put an, a hearty amen on that. It's like you were preaching to the choir there. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. But uh, tell you what, I wanna, let's get to my conversation with uh, Paris real quick. And you and I are going to come back and talk about a couple of things, several things that we saw in that scrimmage situation, but also that we see projecting, including, you know, your report uh, earlier this week of Legend Gavazos uh, promising defensive back has entered entered the uh, transfer portal. You know, Ohio State's got so many uh, defensive backs, it appears now that some of them want to go elsewhere to get their true shot. But uh, we'll be back to talk about that and a few other things after this little uh, brief interview I have with Paris Campbell. Pierce Campbell, what's it like to be back in Woody Woody Hayes Athletic Center, seeing some of these uh, current Buckeyes run yeah. around?
2: Oh, it's great, man. Uh, it's, this team is is loaded with talent all over the field, uh, but it's great to be back home and great to see you know my family.
0: Dude, do you feel like you're part of a real legacy here of receiver groups that just kind of seem to keep growing?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it kind of you know the legacy kind of started with my class. Uh, obviously, me, Terry, and, and Johnny. Um, but since then, man, they, they've, they've taken it to new heights, man. What they've done and what they've accomplished in these past couple years has been absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's going to continue to get better.
0: What does that mean, though, when you say they take it to new heights? What do you see that's different even from when you guys were here?
2: I mean, obviously, you know, we had a dominant trio of receivers, but these guys have been so deep from top to bottom, like any one of them can go on the field and, you know, have a dominant game. and. We've seen that. I mean, they've had they've had three guys have 100 yards receiving in the game. Like it's and that's every single week. Like they, they've never fell off. Like the standard is what it is, and they live up to it every game. So if,
0: if, if you could have 10 percent of one of these receivers you're watching today, which one would you grab? Shoot,
2: all. Of, I mean, all of them, man. Like you 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 could pick your choose. Like like all of them do it all, and all of them are super talented, man. So they're they're blessed. I don't think they know how talented they are, yeah. uh, but they, they continue to get better and continue to make crazy plays.
0: You know, I was laughing. I was wanted to tell Jackson Smith and jig but this time a year ago most of these people couldn't spell your name yeah you know yeah now you and know he's, like, yeah. now he's sending out autographs like he's uh, signing money checks yeah I mean, um, it no. is crazy how he's come along oh
2: isn't? Jackson's ridiculous yeah. um, like Jackson has something that is really really wor- rare and um uh,
0: what is that though, Paris? Can you put your name on? Honestly, can you put up?
2: A- honestly, I can't, man. I mean, he he does everything really well. It's a combination of things. I mean, his route running, his explosiveness, the way he catches the ball, the way he fights for extra yards. Like it's it's a combination of a lot of stuff. And um, you know, I I put my name on it. Is Jackson is going to be one of the better receivers to come out. I would say for sure.
0: When I say Marvin Harrison, everybody knows that's a Hall of Fame player. When I say Marvin Harrison Jr., what yeah. what's different?
2: Oh, he's a he's a identical <laughs> match of his father. Like, I mean, you can just tell he's natural. He, he plays the game natural. Uh, he's big, strong, fast, man. He has all the intangibles. And uh, you know, I think he can be really good as well. I mean, you see him make plays today, like he's yeah. kid is ridiculous. They like I said, they're loaded.
0: Who else of those guys catches your eye real quick? Emike Buka. Kind of reminds me
2: of you a little bit. Emeka Emeka Emeka. is dominant, man. He's yeah. aggressive, he's strong, he's fast, uh, he does it all, he's elusive. Uh, you seen him in the kick return game last year. Like he's, he he made, he knows how to make plays. Uh, I mean, shoot, all those guys—Marv Jackson, uh,
0: like literally Jaden Ballard. Top, yeah, yeah
2: You know, JB, uh,
0: Keon. Like literally yeah. all of
2: them. Like from top to bottom, they're they're, they're, they're ridiculous.
0: That is crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you 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 do feel like though. I mean, things were coming along before you. you the trio came along, you yeah. know. You got, but it is amazing the the wealth yeah. of offensive talent mm-hmm. on this field now. Yeah. What do you what do you attribute that to? Just if you play offense, people will come. I mean, how do you how would yeah. you explain it? First? Um,
2: I mean, you know, I want to to my class is horn too much, but um, I think we kind of set it off. And obviously, you know, they got a great coach in Brian Harline, and people gravitate towards him, especially as a receiver. I mean, as a guy who's done done it, played it. And played at a high level and had a really good career. So, yeah, um, you know, as a, as a high schooler coming out and you see, you know, what the receivers are doing and how dominant they are and how this offense is at the top of the list every year. Like, that's that's not you know, it's not like like that's not a coincidence. You know, yeah. um, so credit credit to them, credit to the Coach Hardline. Like, he's done an amazing job with these recruits. Like, it's over the top. He he goes above and beyond for all of them. And uh, I, th- I think it's really a credit to them. Sure.
0: Hey, real quick, how are you doing physically? How are you getting along? I mean, yeah, oh, what's, what's the prognosis? I'm
2: great, healthy, as, healthy as a as a fly. And uh, you know, I'm just ready for this season, I'm ready to start OTAs here pretty soon, and you know, get to work.
0: Is it amazing how long you've are, you've already been in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes fast, right? Explain Absolutely. to people what that's like.
2: Oh, I blinked up, and it's year four. So yeah, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. It's a blessing, man. That I've been I've been able to do what I'm doing, and uh, obviously, you know. Make some money and you know just just have fun playing this game, but uh, it's a blessing. So.
0: You know, wow. uh, like I said, I, I've always likened you to a race car. Yeah, occasionally a race car is gonna have a blowout. Oh, you absolutely, what I mean. you absolutely. have to come in for tires. You gotta make and stuff. pit stops, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one last thing. I'm gonna ask you this I'm a loaded question. What is the favorite play if you could run that play over and over again from your Ohio State career? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be that play that just boy?
2: Obviously, obviously, team up North game, the Jets sweep to the house is, I mean, that play is cemented in history, man. So. Yeah.
0: I just got goosebumps because that's exactly what they will tell you. But when you run by Jim Harbaugh on the sideline yeah. here, did you notice him there?
2: I did notice him because he's like watching the sideline, trying to say that I stepped out of bounds. So, uh, I mean, that play, that's an iconic play. You know, you ask anybody about anything from that game and they'll remember that play. So, I'm just blessed, you know, to be able to make those plays and, you know, have something in history like that. So.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Paris Campbell, the incomparable Paris Campbell. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's always great, man, catching up with well, some of these blasts from the past. And Paris Campbell definitely fit that bill. And it's really funny, uh, uh, Spencer, as you were paying attention there, when I asked him about his favorite play ever at Ohio State, the one I had in mind was the one he named when he ran that little jet sweep and turned the corner like a track star and uh, ran right by a Dejected, already dejected-looking uh, Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines in the game. Uh, that that play stands out as about as well as any, right?
1: There was there was a time where you know Trayvon Henderson this year, and I don't I don't want to get too sidetracked, but there it was a play against Purdue where Trayvon Henderson got to the line of scrimmage, and you knew the play was over. Well, that yeah. Paris Campbell play was he was five yards behind the line of scrimmage, and that play was already over. You knew exactly yeah. where he was going, the crease he was going to find, and the speed. And the gear he was going to hit, and there was no stopping him. And uh, that might be the most impressive offensive display in the history of the program that day, because of how good that Michigan defense was, and for him to be such a large part of it, and to have that that lasting memory, you know, etched into Ohio State fans' brains of that's the play from that game. You know, that's got to be special for Paris, and and uh, you hope that he you you gotta hope that he can stay healthy because he's just such a good guy.
0: Oh yeah, he's one of the great guys we've ever run into. Hey, and he's one of those guys that switched from running back to another position, you know, when he got to Ohio State. You know, he was a pretty good running back in high school, uh, back same place where LeBron James came from. And next thing you know, you know, he uh, paid his dues. As we well know, uh, guys aren't into paying their dues as much as they were in the past. You know, those all three of those uh, of those three amigos, Terry McLaurin, Johnny Dixon, and Paris Campbell, they, they stayed there a long time to get their real shots, and when it came, man, they all three took took advantage of him. I think you agree with that, right? Absolutely. And and you think about a guy like Johnny
1: Dixon, there's some parallels to what Cameron Babb has been going through. And, yeah. and you hope he can get healthy because that's another guy who you'd love to see it all pan out for. Uh, you look at Terry McLaurin who, you know, had to play special teams and was almost relegated specifically to special teams for a while and then took advantage of special teams and made it part of his calling card that got him to the NFL. And now he's a captain and one of the best receivers in the league. And then Paris Campbell should be among the top, you know, pass catchers in the NFL. He just can't catch a break right now. And, and a lot of bad luck. Uh, we've talked to him a little bit, you know, on the side. And yeah. just the luck that he's had with those injuries. Some of them, you know, they're freak incidents. And a lot of times you say about a guy, you know, well, he can't stay healthy. Well, Paris is a little bit different because all of his injuries have just been kind of, kind of of the BS variety. They have yes. just been kind of freak accidents. And so all three of those guys are really impressive. The fact that Johnny Dixon's still in the league and, you know, or, you know, now going to go on to another league and still play professionally after what he went through, those guys are everything that I think Ohio State probably wants in its football, in their football program right now.
0: Yeah. And Johnny Dixon, in my opinion, is just the guy, just needs someone to believe in him and give him a shot for a season. I, I think he would establish himself as one of the, you know, as one of the better. Wide receivers in the league, no, maybe not top, not you know, top of the heap, elite. But uh, all he needs is that break. You know, obviously he's playing in the spring football league. We'll see where that goes. But how about Terry McLaurin? You know, like you just said, you know, you always wondered. You know, at one point you wondered where they kind of made a mistake in recruiting him. You know, early in his career, now he's in essence the face of the Washington Washington Commanders, the newly named Washington Commanders. You know, you can say Chase Young, but Terry McLaurin is the guy everyone identifies with that. His story is just remarkable. Agreed? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, new quarterback there, and maybe,
1: maybe he'll be, you know, joining forces with Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. You see that in a lot of mock drafts. And so if they could get another weapon in there, particularly particularly from Ohio state and put Terry McLaurin with one of those two guys, I mean, you're talking about a receiving core that could be an all Buckeyes ordeal and be one of the best in the league. And so, yeah, I'm sure Terry's excited about that. and Maybe we can get him to come on your podcast, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. i always liked Terry Mack because uh, he knows where barbecue heaven is, just like I do. But I digress again. I wanted to get into this. Speaking of receivers, dude, we're standing there. You and I were standing right next to each other for a lot of this, where we got to stand right behind the quarterbacks, right behind the line of scrimmage, and watch a lot of those plays on Saturday, this past Saturday on Student Appreciation Day. The reason I'm bringing it up, I like to cover a lot of ground on this podcast but I really enjoyed I always enjoyed that opportunity I even brought it up with Ryan Day you know in the uh, interview session on Monday of this week about standing there and just getting to number one get a little bit of an understanding of what a quarterback goes through uh, as a play develops I'm writing a story about that uh, for later this week or maybe early next week and CJ Stroud seems to handle that as well as anybody I've ever seen, just the chaos in front of him, but then finding a wide-open <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba, that's kind of redundant, you know, when you say that a wide-open Jackson Smith and Jigba, one You're you right. can't have say one without knowing what the other one is. But just real quick, past Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is the receiver that jumped out at you on, on that student appreciation day?
1: Are you only going to make me pick one? Uh, because No, I'm going be... to
0: make you pick one at a time,
1: though, Austin. Excuse me, okay. Spencer. <laughs> We'll start with with Mecca Ibuka and then we'll just work our way from there. Because don't mind,
0: no, I'm just joking. You want to
1: you, you want to talk about a guy who is wearing number two? He he looks like Chris Olave build wise, and then you get yeah. on the field, and he's just so smooth in his route running, and you see him catch the ball with fluidity, and you see him make that one handed snag, and and not really even you know bat an eye about about doing it, just kind of you know ho hum about it, and you just get a couple of flashbacks to what Chris Olave was able to do in the Scarlet and Gray. And it's really impressive, the the entire unit, but to have a Mecca Ibuka step in. And I think he's going to be one of those guys where you'll look back on the 2021 roster and you'll say, that guy was a, a second teamer. Was he a third yeah. teamer? Are you serious? Because yeah. he has that kind of talent where you'll forget that he was on that 2021 roster, but you will not forget that he's on the 2022 and 2023 team because he is going to be, special if Saturday was any indication of what we could get from Emeka Ibuka.
0: Yeah, Kion Grays, I mean, a guy a lot of people, you know, I mean, there, there are all these guys that jumped out on Saturday, in my opinion, but isn't it, a, isn't it interesting the bonus that Ohio State got by getting to play Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. in the Rose Bowl in a game that, in my mind, still counts big time, and the way they rose the occasion – Especially Marvin Harrison Jr. to go along with Jackson Smith and Jigba, and it didn't hurt things that Ohio State fell behind big time early in that game and had to throw the ball. <laughs> but yeah. uh, they are really, they are really benefiting from that bonus. I call it, I call it going into that game, that bonus spring game for those guys. Right? I mean, uh, both of them look almost like uh, seasoned veterans.
1: It's impressive though, because you watch that rose bowl back and i know it was only 3 months ago now or 2 months however long it was 3 months i think and they look like different players right now than they did yes. then because marvin harrison's added a lot of muscle and emeka Ibuka has added the needed muscle probably that he should have put on this this offseason and has really grown into what into what looks like a dominant college receiver and doesn't just look like a receiving prospect and so it's weird because they did get that spring game but also they're at a whole different level right now than they were when they did you know, shine in the Rose Bowl. I know that's scary to think about with Harrison because he had three touchdowns and yeah. he looks like he's you know, even better now. So, I mean, to think about what he could do. And then Emeka, he's going to return a kick for a touchdown. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be against, but it's going to happen. And, and to know that he's that kind of weapon in special teams, but also he can do everything you want a wide receiver at Ohio State to be able to do, those two guys, I mean, you can't start the conversation about this offense without those two guys.
0: You know what I like about him, Emeka, more than well, there's a lot of things I like about him. Number one, like you pointed out, his his ability to catch the football. <laughs> That's part and parcel of being a wide receiver, right? But I like the fact, you know, like he showed on his kickoff returns, he's a one cut dude. I mean, he is, he, <clears throat> after he catches the ball on a pass, he makes one cut and makes you, makes you, uh, rue the day you tried to cut him off if you follow my drift there. And uh, uh, I just – and he brings power with that. You know, like you were talking about, he looked physically even a little bit different than he look, looked in that Rose Bowl and definitely compared to a year ago. But uh, I just – boy, he could be that guy that that really explodes onto the scene because everybody everybody knows who Marvin Harrison Jr. is, mainly because of his name. And number two, you know, we've gotten to see a little bit more of him maybe for one of another term I mean, as far as pure passing – or pure receiving in that Rose Bowl, but Emeka is going to bring, Emeka is going to bring that uh, one-cut ability that he showed on kickoff returns to pass receiving, and like you just said, it is amazing how the rich could be even richer this this fall. I'm talking about in that wide receiver core. You know, Julian Fleming, uh, wow, he's got, you know, he looks, he looks physically strong and good now, but, boy, what a competition it's going to be to get on the field in any kind of two- or three-receiver set. Agreed? Yeah, yeah, and
1: I think one of the things that, that we have to remember is that there are some of these guys that are still pretty young, and so it might take a little bit for them to get on the field with Jackson Smith and Jigba obviously leading the way, but Julian Fleming starting to come along and be be healthy for the first time really in his entire career. You know, COVID right. derailed one year. Uh, last year he wasn't healthy. To be healthy, and that's a former five-star guy, former top five overall player in his entire class, I and mean, you expect that the sky could be the limit for him. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. obviously with those bloodlines and and the way that he's physically gifted, Mecca Ibuka. But then you start to get down the line a little bit more. I mean, it they just the hits just keep coming for Ohio. You're not going to be able to defend these guys, and it doesn't matter which of them is on the field. I think probably the top four are more settled than anything. I think it's going to be really hard for anybody beyond that top four to crack that, unless maybe yeah. the Buckeyes get. I'll say at this point, get lucky and Cameron Bav is able to stay healthy for an entire season. Maybe then you could talk about a top five. But I think that top four seems to be settled. It's as special of a top four as I've ever seen, and that includes last year's Ohio State when there was really a top three. So yeah. it, it's it's crazy the amount of talent that's in that wide receiver room this year.
0: As you, as you watch their offense to, uh, go about his business the other day, and obviously <clears> – <throat> They had a little, few advantages. Number one, the quarterback couldn't get hit. But I like the way C.J. Stroud got out of trouble a few times. I like the way he ran a couple of times. That was interesting, you know. Uh, but of course, no one, no one in their right mind is going to hit him, right? At this point, when he's got the black jersey on and he's the Heisman Trophy, uh, basically, probably favorite. Uh, he and Bryce Young, for sure, going into this year, will be. Uh, but w- what's another guy that stood out to you? or another aspect of the of the offensive of side of the ball that stood out to you from us getting to watch that extended uh, period?
1: Well, we're, we're through with the wide receivers. We can we can kind of put that conversation to bed. I won't pick C.J. Stroud because I don't want to ruin the story that you're going to write. Trayvon Henderson, you know, he, he got thudded a few times but not really hit. I, I'm impressed with Luke Whippler. I really am. And i I thought he had a chance to push Harry Miller for that starting center job last year before Harry even stepped away from the game. For the season and, and had that had an injury and then also dealt with his mental health issues. Luke Whipler is a physically dominant player. And I know he struggled at a little bit at times last year, just because of a first year center with a first year quarterback. It's not always going to be smooth sailing for the entire ride, but the way that he progressed through the year, by the end of the year, you could really tell he was comfortable. And now yeah. you're seeing him take command of that offensive line. You've got five guys who, Really, four of them are playing new positions that they haven't been in starting roles before because Paris Johnson started, but not at tackle. And then there's that steady force in the middle who can really change the way that Ohio State plays offense because it's one thing if the quarterback is smart and can diagnose everything. It's another thing if the center can diagnose everything and be one step even ahead of the quarterback and be able to help him through those progressions pre-snap. And then that's when you start to talk about, you know, elite blitz pickup. That's when you start to talk about Knowing exactly where guys need to be in the run game. And so I know it's not going to be like the sexiest pick, but Luke Whippler is the guy that I really have my eye on as somebody who can change the way the Buckeyes can play offense.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm looking at Evan Pryor. I'm just throwing his name out there because I just think they've got some things in mind for Evan Pryor, which will be different, which will give this offense a different look, will give defenses uh, more. I, the word I like to use is perplexity (laughs) Uh, when they're trying to figure out what they're going to take away. And all of a sudden, 21's in there. Wait a minute. What's he up to? You know Uh, I just think it's going to be an interesting uh, conundrum for uh, opposing defenses uh, this year to get ready for this offense after the first three or four games, because they're going to do some things with him, you know, and also a guy that I thought played pretty well the other day. And uh, and I don't think there is in as tough a shape as some people do is it tied in. Maybe they don't have, necessarily the numbers, but I think Joe Royer, and I, and I really like Cade Stover being back at tight end, I think that's where he has the possibility to help this team the most. I think he, he along with a lot of people, could see that maybe cracking the starting two at linebacker in that new 4 defense they're playing, he probably didn't have a shot at, at uh, cracking that starting two. So, you know, was he going to be a situational player at best on defense? Why not get back over to offense where I think – he is a special talent. He is a he is a little bit of a matchup uh, concern for defenses, whether he's blocking or catching the ball, running around and catching the ball, and especially after he gets the ball in his hands. So, I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised by how well the tight ends played in that game, including you know Bennett Christian. I thought he had a had a, had a couple of good moments in there, and you know they what they threw what two or three touchdown passes to those guys up the seam and things like that. So, I don't know what your take was there, but. I don't think the concern is as big now as it was before I got to watch that, uh, that little scrimmage action.
1: I don't know if there's a a complete – I think I talked about this a little bit as far as uh, on the practice report, but I don't know if there's a complete tight end in that room right now that can do everything that Ohio State had with with Jeremy Record and with Luke Farrell before him. But I do think there are pieces to the tight end room that, that can be really promising. You know, A guy that I kind of want to keep my eye on just because physically he looks the part. I don't know if he's ready for it. But Sam Hart looks like a guy who can get in there yeah. and block, throw some guys and around him yeah. and, and, you know, make an impact. Bennett Christian is not a typical true freshman tight end. He's huge. Um, he's physically he looks physically ready. I don't know if he'll be mentally ready to play in the offense yet. Cade uh, Stober's is not going to have any problems being physical up front and helping in that blocking game. And then, you know, we didn't talk about Mitch Rossi who's really limited this spring, but had a really yeah. nice fall and, and can have another nice fall. I think he's got potential to play in the NFL as a fullback, which if you would have told me that two years ago, I, I would have asked you what you were taking because – No, you just, don't want to have
0: said two – I would have said two years ago I would have said fullback. Ohio State doesn't use a fullback. Go ahead now.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. And, but they're finding ways to get all these guys involved. And so yeah. I think there's, they
0: there's – They still want to call him a fullback because that goes against their, you know, their grain of being a spread team, a modern spread team. But go ahead now
1: it doesn't go, it goes against the day doctrine of being, you know, the spread guru and the quarterback yes. guy, because you, the fullbacks, just not a very, uh, you know, highly praised kind of position, but yeah, I don't think they're in terrible shape. I think they, they probably could be in better shape that there's a, there's, you know, a few guys out there that I think they, they could have gotten that in the transfer portal, whether that was now South Carolina tight end Austin Stogner, who I think is a really good player, a couple other guys, but I don't think they're in a bad position right now.
0: And like
1: Austin said, you, the, every team, no matter how talented it is, has to have a, a weak link as far as like which one has the most question marks. That's got to be the tight ends right now, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, how many passes did Jeremy Ruckert catch last year? You know, I don't think he got to that, that magic number that everybody was thinking. I mean, buddy, I'm telling you, the way this offense rolls – if your prime number one receiver's open, throw the ball to that guy because <laughs> it's going to be farther down the field. And that's kind of the way Ryan Day rolls, but he does. Ryan Day also wants that power running game to return with gusto. That's where I think these, couple of these tight ends could fit in very well, including not, not the least of whom is Mitch Rossi, uh helping them with that power inside run game, which kind of like drifted off into the Netherlands a few times last year when they really needed it the most. And uh they're, they're, they're definitely uh, concentrating on getting that back. Let's put it that way. Why they brought Justin Fry in? One of the reasons they brought new uh, offensive line coach Justin Fry in to kind of get a kind of get a little bit of a more of a grip of a power game because when you had that power inside running game to this spread offense with these talented receivers, you were going places and going there fast. And uh, and uh, you know I'm saying this about a team that led the nation in total offense last year. They still have room to improve, right? Hey, real quickly. Um, Defensively, we saw some glimpses of what's coming on Saturday. And like we said, it wasn't full take them to the ground tackling going on because of, uh, of concerns you know, uh, during spring. Uh, but you saw some lineup situations going on. You saw JT Tui Molo wow, one time dropping deep, dropping into pass coverage. That's the that's the play where Jackson Smith and Jigbo ran right behind him and caught a touchdown pass. <laughs> but I digress. Uh but you saw a lot of things going on. You saw the safeties rolling, uh, uh, inverting, doing all kinds of things, coming up to press things at the line of scrimmage. I thought it was an interesting day to watch the defense. What, what was your take?
1: Yeah, and if there's one guy that I'm going to be fixated on now until maybe even September 3rd when they take the field, I don't know. It's, I think it's got to be Mitchell Melton, just a guy who looks really versatile, looks like he's changed his body. Uh, I think he could have had an impact and really helped this team last year had he been healthy. Um, but he's taken that rehab seriously, obviously, because he's, you know, having his name mentioned every time we talk to a coach and that Leo Jack position looks like it's tailor-made for him. He's athletic enough to play linebacker. He's uh, quick enough to play defensive end. That's exactly what you need. Uh, You know, Oklahoma state last year had a guy who wasn't really a a well-known name until he became one uh, Colin Oliver, who wasn't really a highly rated guy, but found a role in that spot. And if you don't have to take JT Tumala or Jack Sawyer out of a three-point stance, don't do it because those guys are as good in a three-point stance with with Zach Harrison, with Javante Jean-Baptiste, all four of those guys are as good in a three-point stance as you're going to find in a defensive end around the country. So if you don't have to make those guys stand up and you can get a versatile athlete like Mitchell Melton on the field with those guys, that makes what, what you do so much better and it makes what the capabilities of what you can do as a defense so much more just because you have all those options with what you can do with the athletes on the field i think mitchell melton has a chance to be a a big big part of what the buckeyes want to do on defense that's not saying that he's absolutely going to start because there are a lot of talented guys by him for that that jack position we saw the amount of sacks that like i said colin oliver racked up in that spot last year but I think Mitchell Melton could be the, the answer there and, and could play a really big role in what they do on defense.
0: Yeah. And as we, you and I have talked about many times, uh, how much are they going to even get into that uh, that Leo look? I'm going to keep calling it the Leo because I think we're, you confuse people when you go to the the nickname for the Leo right now is the Jack because uh, I think uh, Jim Knowles, the new defensive coordinator, basically is feeling a lot of these guys are Jacks of all trades, but are they a Leo, you know? <laughs> Can he yeah. be the Leo? Can he be Uncle Leo? Uh, of this defense uh, remains to be seen. But uh, I, 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 this defense is playing with more – the best word I can think of is velocity. I saw it playing with velocity on Saturday. Now, they got beat a few times because all I say was just throwing the ball, you know, and like, you know, you got Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Amika Ibuka running around out there. They're going to catch some balls. I mean, they're going to get opening, catch some balls. But I just – I like the uh, velocity they played with, even though Cam Brown – you know, was held out of that that stuff while we were watching. Denzel Burke is definitely taking stride, making strides, and he was already one of the better corners, if maybe not the best cornerback in the Big Ten last year. He's going to make – you know, you can see him making big-time strides. Who's, who's a player you've got your eye on, though, in that secondary that uh, you think might pop that people aren't really paying attention to right now?
1: Well, I don't know if people aren't paying attention to him, but I just think people don't really know as much about him because he's a transfer and he's new and, and it's, you're just not really sure. Hey, wait a minute.
0: How'd you like that setup? Go ahead now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: I don't know if there people aren't talking about him, but they're talking about him in a sense that they don't know what, who he is more than they don't know if he's talented. Tanner McAllister yeah. lies around and, and he's a really, he's almost violent on the field. He's physical. He knows what he's doing. He's really smart. Obviously, coming over with Jim Knowles. He knows exactly how to run this defense. He's invaluable to what the Buckeyes are doing because they're trying to implement everything on the fly and he's trying to get everybody up to speed. So if I had a guy right now, it'd be Tanner McAllister. Just the the impact that he can have on this defense is, is through the roof. And I think he's going to have that, uh, you know, through September and October and leading this team, trying to get him to a national championship. I know we're a long ways from that, but, but I already see the pieces uh, with the, the addition of him and then the other talent around, I see the pieces that, that this defense has what it takes.
0: Yeah, like we said, man, and I keep using this term, but I think it's going to be better. They only got to be, they only have to be 25% better to make the biggest difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Defensively, I think it could be a lot better than that uh, compared to a year ago. Hey, uh, before we jumped up from the offense, I wanted to bring up one quick thing for you. It looks like Ohio State's in pretty good hands from a depth standpoint at the quarterback position. I'm not, Yeah, they'd like to have four scholarship guys, but Kyle McCord – Looks like he's picked up where he left off last year as the backup, the guy that won won a game when uh, C.J. Stroud had to sit out that one the one game to let his uh shoulder rest, and uh, what was that the Akron game? But uh, uh, but then uh, Devin Brown, man, after he got his feet under him the other day, you know there were some antsy moments, uh, and as Ryan Day said, he was playing with that third string offensive line at times. Devin Brown can throw the ball. Agreed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and if he has more time, I think he would have put on even more of a show just because the way that the, the depth chart is right now with the offensive line, but the quarterback position, I'm not really worried about it. I don't, there's not really much to say other than wow. When you watch these quarterbacks, because Ryan day knows what he's doing, developing them and they know what they're doing, listening to him because yep. they've, they've got it all figured out at the quarterback spot. That room is absolutely loaded. And I think, you know, if you have a progression from, from Stroud to McCord to Brown, you're doing something right.
0: Yeah. Hey, one quick thing. Uh, you know, you had a story on Monday that uh, Legend Cavazos, uh, fairly highly rated uh, defensive back a couple of years ago when Ohio State got him, has decided to uh, bow out and move on into the transfer portal. Just what's your take on that? Is that is that a sign that Ohio State may be a little more loaded in the defensive backfield than most people maybe realize at this moment?
1: I think there was a little bit of a shuffle, right? We heard that he had been practicing a little with the nickel. He was a little bit at safety. Was he a corner? Uh, you know, does he fit in with Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke? Or, or did Ja'Kalen Johnson and and Jordan Hancock kind of surpass him last year? There was just a lot of questions, a lot of moving parts in that secondary. Doesn't really surprise me, kind of a guy that, that almost got lost in the shuffle. And you always feel bad about saying that about somebody because, yeah. I mean – that's that's not only a, a player, but it's, you know, it's, it's a human being. You don't want to say that he just got lost among people, but in football, that's what happens. And so, uh, yeah, he just kind of, like I said, got in the mix, was in the mix, but never truly above the mix. And I think that's just, you know, that's college football that we live in now. You, you got to always be prepared to have some guys move into the portal.
0: Hey, one last quickie with you. Uh, as you watch that offense, I thought that first – First team offensive line looked pretty damn good, you know. And obviously, Donovan Jackson, there, you know, he was at left guard right now. The kid uh, out of out of the Houston area, uh, who basically wore number Keith Byers' number last year, forty one, so he could get on the field as a quasi tight end to helping some uh, goal line situations, et cetera, things like that. But uh, I think he looks really good at left guard, even though they're showing him playing some at left tackle, you know, because they need some depth there. Uh, Enoch Vimahi is a guy I've got my eye on who's given him that sixth man, but do you think they're in a little bit of a development crunch right now bringing along some of those other uh, backup offensive linemen? Because I thought they, the one thing they had going for them last year was I thought they had five stout guys in that starting unit. As you and I have talked about before, maybe they weren't in their prime positions, and it showed a few times when they had four tackles and a center in there. <laughs> but uh, is there is there anybody else you've got your eye on? Actually, Josh Fryer not being able to – Practice this spring and take part, but uh, where's a where where could they get a little bit more depth developing in these last couple of weeks here?
1: Yeah, I think if you had Josh Fryer, I think this entire conversation would be different. But
0: yeah, now you move. look at yeah,
1: you look at guys from that 2020 class, and you got to see some development from Jacob James, who seems to be coming along, but hasn't really yeah. made a push into that upper tier. He's been in the kind of second tier for a year and a half now. You look at Trey Larue, is has he developed? We haven't heard his name at all, but is he taking the steps where if you were in a an absolute crunch, and you needed a tackle, could he go in there? I don't know right now. And so Grant Tutant, the same way. Like the 2020 class had four or five offensive linemen in it other than Paris Johnson. And are those guys, you know, developing? Are they are they coming along? And I think that's where a lot of bodies in that room, but you've got to start to see the development from some of those older guys, or else you're going to have to start relying on a Ben Christman. You're going to have to start relying on some of those those young guys, George Fitzpatrick, true freshman, like, And you don't yeah. want to be in that position to rely on guys who just, you know, haven't been in the program long enough to really see their bodies transform into Ohio State offensive linemen. And so I think it starts in that 2020 class. I think they're doing – Ohio State's doing a pretty good job of calling those guys out without calling them out of saying, like, we need – you know, we need to figure out the depth on the offensive line. Now it's on them to, to take that next step and become part of that upper crust that can that can go in there if they need to and make an impact because Josh Fryer seems to be that guy – but if he's on the shelf, it looks pretty thin back there behind him.
0: Yeah. Imagine being those guys, though, man, and you're going into practice every day and you're going against a Tyreek Williams or, or a Teron Vincent finally. Finally, is, boy, he really seems on the beam right now. You know, Ty Hamilton, I mean, I could name – you know, you could name like six, seven guys that just looked like the other day were just getting after it, you know. And that's who you're trying to make it – you're trying to impress your coaches by dealing with those guys every day that's got to be quite the chore, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I I would, you couldn't sign me up for it then.
0: Yeah. And Jack Sawyer, man, he looks like he could push two or three trucks down the road. That may be his next commercial. We'll see. We know he's got a nice pickup truck, but uh, wow, he's really come along. Hey boy, uh, Spencer, Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for joining me on my podcast, man. I I called you up. I didn't call you a fill in. I called you. What did I call you earlier? I didn't call you a substitute. I just called you a uh, what a, uh, uh, what'd that call you, a backup co-pilot, right? But you're more than that, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I guess you could just call me the righty from the bullpen.
0: Yeah, there we go. I like it. Bring on the righty. We may have to go to the bullpen more often. But ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate Spencer Holberg joining me on this Tim may podcast, which I'm trying to keep shorter than the ones we've had in the recent past. It just seemed to go on and on and on and on. But you never know when I'm going to go on and on and on. What I like about Spencer Holbrook, he has a take. It usually doesn't stink. And he gets out of there. Spencer, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim. Always appreciate it.
0: And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you then. With the
2: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.